0: This is the construct. It's our loading program. We can load anything from clothing to equipment, weapons, training simulations, anything we need. the weekly pseudo-academic roundtable of pop culture analysis with drinking and swearing. My name is Christopher Maverick, but you can call me Mav, and I am once again here with my co-host, Katya Gorecki. How's it going, Katya? You
1: actually pronounced my name correctly, I think, for the uh, first time. Do you want me to say it right? wrong?
0: Katya. No. Is this- nope. I'm trying. No.
1: I know we've talked about this before. I know you just have a thing. It's fine. It's fine. It's an
0: accent problem. I'm, you know, I know. I think it's horrible that you are I'm, disparaging I'm, the people, I'm, the fine people of Cuyahoga County in Cleveland. <laughs> you know,
1: I appreciate that you're you're working on your Russian pronunciation. You know, I I honor this. I think it's great. Uh, <laughs>
0: I have three degrees in English and I can't say words. (laughs) I mean, to be fair, I work at a university
1: and most of my colleagues, like my entire career have not been able to pronounce my name, which is odd because I don't think it's that hard of a name to pronounce, but you never know. Anyway, my
0: name's one syllable and three letters. That's I I think as
2: long as, you
1: know, as (laughs) as long as we don't get into like, People calling me
0: cat. We're good. <laughs> Actually, people, people do sometimes pronounce my name wrong. They'll say Maeve, which I'm like, ha, why? <laughs> Where does that even, um, my niece used to say mauve with the, and I'm like, really interesting <laughs> i don't interesting. understand but anyway um not a weird conversation about names that's not how we usually start the show anyway what are we talking about today this is your topic
1: uh basically i wanted an excuse to talk about what i've been doing in vr so Recently, um, I was very lucky in that my employer decided I needed to have an Oculus headset. um, I wouldn't work there. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, to be fair, it's not the company account, so I can't buy anything. So I'm, I'm very limited to what's freely available. Also, Oculus is not my favorite company because it's Facebook and Facebook security slash general use of data is a thing I have feels about um, which we'll talk what if, about later. But If they
0: would like to sponsor us, they're welcome to. right now.
1: <laughs> Just uh. I'm
0: willing to sell my soul. I'm very poor. There's a pandemic going on. <laughs>
1: okay, fair. You might be. We'll have, to have a conversation about that in the in the distant future uh, when this podcast is monetized. Uh, but basically, I we've been testing out various like virtual reality, like co-working platforms and like event spaces. Specifically to combat work, what I would call like workplace ennui, um, which basically is just okay. people, people struggling with the fact of like working in a remote office. Like my office was never designed to be remote. And I think um, generally like prides itself on having a really good work culture which is hard to translate to a virtual environment. And we've all heard at this point of the concept of Zoom fatigue. And I think people are just generally burned out by the general tools that we've been using to kind of continue business as usual. Um, so one of the questions we, I was kind of thinking about is, are these VR platforms, the one that I specifically talked about on the blog, Altspace, a real solution to that? And my initial like, experience playing around with them with my coworkers is maybe...
0: Okay, um, so uh, this is a little different. It's a little technology. It's still pop culture, still what we do, but a little more technology-ish than you know, funny books or movies. So we we got a guest. We got who we got. What I think is a very interesting guest. I'd like to welcome to the show, Caitlin Meeks. Hi, Caitlin.
2: Hi. <laughs> Thank you so much, Maeve. Uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, <gosh>. oh, you're <laughs> gonna fit in well. We'll <laughs> allow
1: you. Just this once. It's loud. <laughs> Thank
0: um, you so much. <laughs> yeah, thanks for joining us. Um, mm. just so, so people know. Tell the audience what you do and why we thought, well, this is someone who's much more of an expert than we are. So
2: what Uh do you do? (laughs) Well, um, so I'm the co-founder and CEO of Tivoli Cloud VR, and we're making a virtual reality platform. That allows a lot of people to come into the same space at the same time um, and do a lot of things together in a way that like feels really natural. So our emphasis is on kind of like sense of presence and capturing all the subtlety of body language and the way your voice travels in space so, kind of like you were, um, you mentioned that you were looking at uh, alt space. Mm-hmm. We're sort of experiencing, uh, experimenting with that idea, but really taking it to a much uh, more nuanced level, where you really feel like you're there, and it doesn't feel so much like you're in kind of a cartoon world.
0: Mm-hmm. Awesome. So you actually know stuff, which is going to be fun because we're going <laughs> to make stuff up. <laughs>
1: Hey, I have a degree in VR, dude. <laughs> I know, <laughs> <too>. I know. <laughs> um, no, I think. Well, and actually, I was I was playing around with. Uh, Tivoli, like the Tivoli cloud like platform a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I do think it's an, it's, it's an interesting one on a couple of levels. So one of the things that I think is really interesting, which I don't think is true of a lot of similar platforms that I've seen is yours is uh, completely open.
2: Like people can mm-hmm. add
1: their own assets to it. Is that correct?
2: Yeah. Yeah. This is a a, a huge difference between Tivoli like and A lot of the other VR platforms out there, um, the majority are closed source and, and, you know, a lot of them are made with like game engines uh, like like Unity. And I I used to work for Unity, but and I (laughs) love Unity. But the problem is, is that you can't really like crack that nut open and get down to the very meat of it to optimize it to work well in like a multi user virtual reality kind of context. So with Tivoli, you really have access to the very heart of this engine and everything there can be um, changed and customized and optimized and modified. And in the same way that like Linux is open mm-hmm. source and, you know, you have all of these like flavors of Linux that basically power the Internet um, and each one has its own kind of like strengths. This, uh, like versatility of things that the different Linux implementations can do is thanks to it being open source and thanks to the contributions of all of these passionate and brainy people who really like either for money or for love put, (laughs) or both, (laughs) put their hearts into making it better. So. We really feel that for something that isn't just like a novelty that you play today, instead of, you know, making a little kind of a chat game. We want this to be something that people are using five years and 10 years down the road with continuity so that it grows and becomes something way cooler than it even is now. And this is the way out of that trap. You know, this is Great. open source is the way to grow.
1: So I think that kind of connects back to something I've been thinking about this episode. So for those folks who check out the the uh, blog, one of the things I highlighted and sort of this like what tools are good for what, especially when you're trying to like build human connection and something that feels I mean, I think, Caitlin, you use that word like what something that feels natural. Because hmm. um, Zoom is really useful as a tool for certain like workspace things. But Zoom doesn't feel natural. And there's a lot of like emerging psychological research or at least speculation that suggests that part of why we feel burned out and frankly, like exhausted and kind of cranky after a day of Zoom calls Mm -hmm. is because those interactions aren't natural. Like we're not used to staring at a like one on one close up photo, basically moving photo of our coworkers, let alone the video footage of ourselves. Like I know one of the suggestions is always to turn off your own video camera. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm wondering if, so, so basically one of the things that at least in my experience, I think VR, these like embodied, which I mean by embodied, I mean like you can have an avatar that can move around space rather than just like a static, more static image. Uh if the reason that feels more okay is that sense of, that increased sense of naturalness, and then B, what do we actually mean when something feels natural or normal? Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that, I mean one of the things I think about is a lot we've talked about in previous shows is like when we're talking about naturalness in a platform. Or, like, what feels normal, quote unquote. Is, like, does that seem, Caitlin, like an appropriate way to think about it? Like, should, I guess, basically, the question is should we be trying to replicate what feels like everyday lived experience, or should we be trying to find something different in VR or any other kind of remote, like, remote or virtual experience?
2: Well, you know, like, um, The same way we kind of like breathe air and and look at things around us and that feels natural. Like we similarly have like a natural way that we talk to other people and, you know, like talking to you guys over here, over, over boys, I can't see you, but through hearing you, you know, I can hear your laughs. I can hear doubt. I can hear all of these different sort of like textures about your intent Mm -hmm. and, um, And that's where there's like kind of a subtlety and that's where there's there's nature. And if I could see you and if I could see your hands moving and, um, you know, like if you were slumping forward or standing tall, I could also interpret that to get a better idea of like how you're feeling. Mm -hmm. And in that sense, like there's just kind of this natural sort of way we talk and this natural kind of dance that we do when we're interacting together in space and So to me, it's important to capture that, like that nuance. Mm -hmm. Um, And you can't really get a lot of this through through like a video chat call, Mm -hmm. especially like the body language, you know. Right. Um, So this kind of naturalness is important, but you could take that and put it in a, you know, in a context that is completely alien or fantastical or uh, whimsical, um, you know, and have conversations that, you know, like at our non Euclidean spaces, (laughs) you know, so it's, it's possible to have both, but in order to like not let the technology get in the way, you know, you need to have this kind of subtlety. So if Mm -hmm. I were to like walk up to you in VR and Tivoli and kind of whisper into your ear, you know, it would feel very natural to you because it has kind of that like chilling effect that someone is invading Mm -hmm. your personal space just a little bit. And Mm -hmm. maybe the whisper gives you kind of that ASMR sort of <laughs> Spookiness, you know and uh-huh. and that all comes through because uh if you look at like kind of like at alt space or vr chat which are lovely virtual worlds mm-hmm. the audio tends to just kind of be full vo- full blast mm-hmm. yeah and it's like you're listening to the radio or something and everyone's like a cb radio you know yes. <laughs> yeah um with tivoli it's it's very nuanced um so you know you could be at a dance floor and the music is pulsing when you're on the floor but then you step off to the corner with someone and have a a quiet conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's sort of like nature. Like that just makes such a massive difference because people are the most important content, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, well, and
1: it's, and it's functional too. I mean, if we like, I mean, one of the things I found really intriguing about alt space is like you could only, which sounds like it's even more true of, of Tivoli is that like when we were having large group gatherings, you could only really hear the people that were like immediately around you in that virtual space. You weren't mm-hmm. hearing people that were 20 feet away, which is different from like a zoom call. Cause that's one mm-hmm. of the things we've had is like, how do you transition? Say like, you know the office happy hour or uh-huh. like a communal gathering to VR because one of the cause, because because that's kind of why we were looking at at all these event platforms because an office social call on Zoom is is not only not very social it's in some cases very exhausting
0: yeah because Mm
1: -hmm. you feel like you constantly are battling to talk when there's 35 people in the room
0: in a way that you don't in real so in in a real life conversation if you know and maybe it's one of the one of the you know flaws with our show is that we we've always said we treat this like it's a bar conversation so um (laughs) so we'll talk over each other sometimes and um when i'm editing i just leave it because that's that's the flow of our show but it's not how mm-hmm. it's not how an interview show normally goes right and i and i was thinking i i i recently went to you know covid times being what they are i went to a birthday party on on topia which was a, which is which has this similar f- feature you can hear people better the closer they are to you in the virtual space so it it's weird because i've done a bunch of i've done a bunch of you know You know, uh, dinner parties and stuff on Zoom, just as we all have in the last nine months. Um, and you know, hell, I do this show every week, um, which we've been doing for, you know, two years, um, almost three, where we're just talking to each other. Yeah, I know. Um <laughs> we're, but we we we're, we're just talking to each other but, but online, but it's all it, it is all, all communal, but when I go to in the before times in the long long ago when we used to have actual happy hours, you know, I'd go to a, a work happy hour and it's me and 20 of my coworkers. And there are eight conversations going on at a time. Right. Mm -hmm. But each one has two or three people. You know, you just have you're at different tables and that's fine. And so in a way, it sounds like like Caitlin, what you're trying to do is you're not you're not trying to replicate or you're not trying to make the Zoom world better. Right. The Zoom world is all about trying to how can we connect everybody for, you know, it's a very work oriented app. Everybody's using it for social needs, social needs, because we have to. But like mm-hmm. the entire point of Zoom is to have a meeting. You're trying mm-hmm. to replicate, uh, you're trying to replicate more a virtual space. Well, as a, it's, it's, it's replicating human interaction. Yes.
1: In a way that Zoom, I think, was never intended
2: to. At least
1: that's what it, it like, that that would at least yeah. be how I would describe it.
2: You,
1: you know, like, like talking about the idea of replicating
2: a space Mm-hmm. Um, this, this actually brings to mind something kind of interesting that's happening right now with Tivoli. Um, because like space has context, like when you're in a zoom call, you know, it could be a mm-hmm. business meeting or it could be a call with, you know, a family member and they're always going to see you in your living room. You know,
0: I'm in the death star. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, or in your, in your
2: yeah, death Star or yeah, <laughs> but like, they're always going to see you usually in the same space. And mm-hmm. so there's no context for like what you, you know, when you're in a bar, you realize I'm in a bar, I'm going to have a drink, I'm going to relax. The, uh, the atmosphere, you know, says like kind of sets your tone. If you're in a classroom, you know, you're aware of this and you behave differently than if you were in a bar, if you're in the library, if you're yeah in the supermarket. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like context is really important. Like we read that and it defines how we communicate. And we have um, there's a university in uh, Vancouver, um, Simon Fraser University, and they approached us because they wanted to experiment with teaching their lectures in VR. Because like the majority of universities out there, they're using, uh, I believe, Zoom. Yeah, they're using Zoom for most of their courses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And a professor there, Jeremy Turner, um, wanted to try using Tivoli. So we kind of did this as sort of a pilot and we created like a lecture hall, like a space that is just, you know, a reproduction of a classic lecture hall. And it's got like the four paneled chalkboard that slides up in the little ladder you move (laughs) around and it's got, you know, the the
0: chairs oh uh, you think you think people care way about way more about my, me than the lecture halls that i actually get to use
1: it sounds like this lecture, this guy is very fortunate yes <laughs> <This guy has laughs> as, space. A t-
0: as a teacher i get like a whiteboard maybe i'm like huh, oh, yeah I'll, I'll, I'll use that okay
1: <laughs> <laughs> see no, that in vr awesome. we can in vr maybe we can value our teachers more and give them better space
2: <laughs> that's <laughs> true we
0: well. I have VR tenure. That'd be neat.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the interesting thing about this, though, is um, like really the person who wanted to do this was the professor. Mm-hmm. Because he said he was just tired of teaching from his living room. And he's like, I don't want people to see I have a low rent apartment that's all messy. you know. <laughs> he's, he's like a brainiac, you know, and he just books everywhere and his place is crazy. And he he's like, I miss having a lecture hall. Mm hmm. And yeah. so he actually like looked out to do this um, for his own comfort in presenting because mm-hmm. he was always a, a big VR fan and VR user and his work kind of borders into VR as a cognitive scientist. Um, really interesting. And so we did this and we're still running their to like cognitive science 100 courses in mm-hmm. civilly twice a week
0: um so so how do they connect so just for the listener um yeah. how do they connect i mean are, are are you talking a platform where people are looking in a window or are they looking on headsets how's it working
2: yeah well like uh three different ways so that the the, uh, the instructor he likes to wear a VR headset and he has an avatar of himself that looks professional, well-dressed. His hair is always nice. So you can't tell he's wearing filthy sweatpants. Sorry, Jeremy. Um, yeah, he looks consistently professorial. Um, so he, he likes to, to teach from his VR headset. Okay. And so when he's in front of the class and he's talking, he's moving his hands around and his avatar hands are moving and matching his his uh, his movement, um, and then we've got this like really lovely system we call Tivoli Shared Desktop, which is kind of like a um, it's kind of like screen sharing, but you're doing it mm-hmm. on a on a virtual computer in the cloud. And mm-hmm. so he mm-hmm. throws up all of his slides and everything on there, and uh, videos and course materials. He's got kind of a control panel in front of him that he can use to like swipe through the slides okay. all from in VR. And then some students who are like a little more technically savvy. They come in in virtual reality and attend the class. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of students don't, though, have VR headsets because it's still kind of an exotic technology.
0: Yeah, kind of expensive.
2: Um, I did an entire dissertation
1: on the history of VR and I never used like I only ever borrowed headsets. because They're just like in some cases they're very expensive.
2: Mm -hmm. They are. Yeah. And and they take time and it's like you have to get used to it. Um, So what we've also done is students can also come in in desktop mode and kind of Mm -hmm. park an avatar uh, in the classroom and watch from their screen. And then for people who um, who are on the go or something, they can also watch the lecture being streamed up onto Twitch which makes it accessible cool. to everyone. Oh, okay. And so that, that, then we sort of like, routed the Twitch okay. chat into the world. So if you're one mm-hmm. of the students in Twitch and you're like, Hey, is the test on Thursday?
0: So right. Theoretically you'd be able to attend without, I mean, I was gonna say without any special technology, I guess Twitch is technology that you wouldn't necessarily have, but, but clearly anyone can download it. Yeah. Like you could, right. You well, and specialized if you're hardware.
1: the average university student Right. Like you probably I mean like most university courses require you to have a. I mean you're required to have a computer and internet connection especially in this current remote setting so right. by virtue of those two, those two things you have access to Twitch.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean you, well you have it on your cell phone if nothing else I mean you can. Sure, that's true yeah. actually. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, that's really cool so I mean it, like that's I can totally see. i So I know I know I did an, a, a workshop in the beginning of quarantine that was entirely on Zoom, and I like so I understand the idea of like lecturing being really unsatisfying
2: through Zoom. Oh yeah,
1: because I mean I think that the weird thing that I don't think most people understand until you start teaching is how much teaching is pr- about performance. So mm-hmm. the same way we talk about like comedians thriving on audience feedback, like. Teaching is not always as humorous as the average competing comedian. There are Speak exceptions.
0: Yourself, okay, okay. I Wait, said back. there are exceptions.
2: <laughs> okay. All
0: right.
1: Just calm, calm yourself, sir. To
0: all my students.
1: <laughs> uh, also, if you're one of the students, please let us know. I just want to know if
0: math students actually listen to this. I'm just morbidly curious. We uh, we've had my students on this show before.
1: I know, but did they listen to it beforehand?
0: I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know. Anyway,
1: uh, but like <laughs> audience feedback is do. audience feedback is really important. So, like, yes. and also just like lecturing for me, it was always like a very embodied experience. Like. Mm-hmm. Teaching like teaching in a seated position for me is completely unnatural, and I'm someone who gesticulates wildly. <laughs> I have accidentally hit, thankfully not a student, but a a, a teaching a, a coworker. Not hard, but I just gestured very wildly and then smacked him in the face, um, which my students found very delightful. And I'm sure somewhere someone has posted it to make fun of t- teaching faculty. <laughs> um, but see, I could but I could do that in VR. Whereas Zoom, I can't. I can't do that. But yeah. I'm also wondering, like especially for the students who are able to join either through desktop or VR where they have an avatar, like mm-hmm. is, is there an approximation of that kind of like audience feedback in this, yeah. in this instructor's
2: experience? Well, this is the thing. And um, Dr. Turner himself has said, this is one of the things he really loves is he's standing there. He's lecturing. He, he teaches standing up. So he's using like a Vive, which has room mm-hmm. space. So he can yep. kind of like pace around in front of his podium. And I think like when you're talking and you're pacing, Uh, you actually kind of think a little differently, you know, Mm -hmm. when you Mm -hmm. can gesture with your hands, um, but he can see when there's students sitting in the class and he really likes that, you know, and if a students in VR, they can raise their hand. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're looking at ways to make it even easier for people who aren't in world to be able to, like, kind of communicate more easily with the instructor beyond just mm-hmm. like Twitch text chat. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, the instructor loves it. You know, he just he puts on the headset and kind of forgets that he's in his house. He's He's at the university. He's teaching.
0: That sounds great to me because again, because this is a problem that I have right now teaching. Um, One of the, one of the biggest flaws for me has been that um, the, the, the technology level, even on a very basic sense, I don't have a VR headset, but I have, um, I have files internet coming to my home, which makes my net connection relatively fast. Not all my students necessarily have that. So sometimes even in a, in a zoom class, there will be varying level of technology. I have students who cannot adequately stream video mm-hmm. and watch my video sure. at the same time so they're so they just don't have their cameras on which oh. means that sometimes and it's and it's and they just can't because they're literally you know they're on like slow DSL and they can't hear me if they're broadcasting so they'll just have you know they'll just it's just black boxes and it really does mm-hmm. screw up your teaching dynamic Um, I mean I am so jealous of his ability even if I even if I was looking at just blank people um, you know like mm-hmm. people without emotions like if were just on, if there was just a body there to stare at, that really does change the entire way you speak. Um, it's probably... Easier for me than it is for some teachers because, because I do this show every week, and we tend to we don't usually use video, um, uh, just because we don't. Um, so, like, but I'm, but this is very conversational in a way that teaching isn't. Teaching is mm-hmm. teaching is call and response in a much, oh, uh, well, not mm-hmm. always. It depends on the kind of class. Sometimes I might have a class which is a very open open dialogue, but a lot, but often when you're lecturing. I need to be able to see who I'm performing to, and it really is performance, like Katya said. Um, mm-hmm. it, you know, it, I imagine it's the it's the equivalent of, and I've seen this. I've seen a couple of comedians doing stand up sets to Zoom. Um, since this started and they're awful and I, you know comedians wow. that i like they're just not yeah. it's 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 not awful like you know the jokes are still funny but the vibe of it is so weird because you're you're talking you're looking at somebody who's practiced at speaking to an audience that you know he can see laugh it's a completely or- different
1: context I mean, and, right, it's, and right. it's, I think both for the person who's performing because they're not getting the audience feedback, but also for the people who are listening, like even if even, even if, for that example, like a comedian's putting in a laugh track.
0: They can tell the difference because they they react differently to a laugh track than, you know, there's so like with Katya, I, I recognize I recognize your image. Um, from alt space as you, but it's not realistic because that would be distracting. And now there are some parts of it. The alt space avatars, I find it really creepy that they have hands, but no arms. That weirds me out. (laughs) And no legs. (laughs) And and no legs. Yeah. So, but, but, but you're not. It's like disembodied
1: like rolling pin, rolling pin. pin.
0: So it's not, it's not the artistic choice that I would have picked, but the, but it's fine because you know yeah, or you even posted you posted a picture of our of our scoreboard images from last week, right like. Right if we go back a few episodes and if I remember, I'll put it in the show notes. We did a show on like cartoons versus avatars. And I'm not trying to trick people into thinking this is the photorealistic me, right? Like I, like when I draw myself, when I physically draw myself in, into my old comic strip, I don't want you to think it's the real me. I'm making it silly. I'm making (laughs) it simple because it's, you know, it's, it's an idea. It's an expression. And I think a lot of, like you know it's you don't have and you you don't have in any of these platforms if we went full photorealism we'd hit we'd hit an uncanny valley issue we're not looking for that we're looking for the fun aspect kind of you know you're looking for something that's expressive and it's different
1: yeah it's the fun aspect and i think it's also and this is why i think the idea of realism and I, I use i use the word real and realism all the time in my research always almost always in air quotes because what real means to people is vastly mm-hmm. different depending on cultural context basically um and all kinds of things and i think like what we're talking about in this case is realism in this sense doesn't mean by which i mean realism in the sense of what feels meaningful about an experience yeah. has nothing to do with how much it's replicating you know irl kind of interaction That's so true. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's like, how is the experience I'm having in this virtual context replicating what I want out of this experience Mm -hmm. socially, artistically, Mm -hmm. um, or what have you. So it's, you know, I think, I mean, I think one of my frustrations, I remember building that avatar and it was just like, I, I find like avatar recreation, uh, or like like design interfaces really fascinating in like video games mm-hmm. and in uh and in, co- in platforms like this because it's I almost always find it a frustrating experience for different reasons because on the one hand this was frustrating because it was like and one of my coworkers commented on this and he basically said like all the body types look the same he's like I can't make mm-hmm. a character that looks like me and so there, there's a representation aspect also like skin tone colors and all that other stuff I know like mm-hmm. which comes up in every video game that they're not very realistic, especially mm-hmm. when you get to the not white people in a lot of contexts. Mm. Um, and that frustration being like, I can't represent my identity, not necessarily like to be realistic and true to my current self. Like actually the, the, the avatar you're talking about, Mav, I remember mentioning to my coworkers is this is what I look like pre-pandemic because of my <laughs> haircut. I almost always have. But I haven't had my hair cut since March. Right. Right. And so in my mind, this is what I look like. Which was a really interesting experience for my coworkers because so I started my job remotely. They've never actually met me. Yeah. Um, and so the, the thing, the person that they see on zoom every day and this avatar in some ways, it's like if you, if you put them together, that's probably the closest, at least visual representation to what I would look like. During, I think, like we always recall to them, is the long before times, mm. <laughs> which I think is it. And I think that's an interesting practice. Is it's sort of like what we we what what it means to be who we look like or be who we are when we have full control.
0: Well, it's also there's a weird performative thing. My my icon, my icons, my avatars. Whether I'm drawing myself with just a pencil or even again looking at the scoreboard uh, thing with the with the little emoji asses from last week. Um, my, my, my pictures of myself have a very specific goatee, a goatee mm-hmm. that I've, that I've had not had. Since like March, because shaving was a thing for the before times, yeah, so, so, so like I don't shave anywhere near as regularly as I used to because even even the once a week that I teach in person because I've got like a you know like weird hybrid type stuff that I have to do, like I'm wearing a mask now, so like the so've sure. got I've got no, way more yeah. beard than I normally have <laughs> and, and you know, and like uh when when this is all over, we'll have to reevaluate you know what my look is but, <laughs> but, but um but but no but you're you're right 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 like um um i ha- i have an avatar that wears my glasses but i never use it for anything because i don't like in my head the, it doesn't yeah
1: yeah it doesn't feel like a representation of you that you want to use in that context. Right.
0: So, so there is a, so there is a weird. I mean, there's a weird performance to it that I think is interesting. And this is where who are you performing for? Well, that's though? that's exactly what I get. What I want to get to. Because I
1: think the avatar <sighs> creation is so like in a like in a video game, for example, like who are you making that avatar for? So like, if I'm playing fallout and I make an elaborate recreation of who I would like to look like, what I would like to look Mm -hmm. like in a post-apocalyptic retro, like retrofuturism, which by the way, retrofuturism is entirely my aesthetic. So I get very (laughs) deep into this. I basically want to live in Blade Runner with less Mm -hmm. fascism. Uh, and pollution and just basically the Blade Brother aesthetic without the gross stuff. Can we, as a reminder to listeners, eugenics bad. Uh, eugenics bad. bad, yes. uh, <laughs> eugenics bad. <laughs> Sorry, that's one of our, we have a, we have several running jokes, Caitlin. Eugenics bad is,
2: uh, I, I like that. I, I want a eugenics bad t-shirt. Uh, a eugenics I are gonna agree with you on that point. Yeah.
1: I, you know, it's, it's one of those things, especially, like, I wonder what people's reactions would be if I walk mm. around in the world with a <laughs> eugenics bad t-shirt. I just wanna know as a social experiment. <laughs> I, anyway. <laughs> Like, I think the avatar creation, because I think we think of it as an avatar, like we're trained to think of an avatar in social media context as a thing you use to identify yourself with mm-hmm. other people. But I think actually, what's more important is your I think, like your avatar. I think is more importantly performance right. well, for yourself. Caitlin,
0: you mentioned that professor, because right? Because when you're you, making you it, a ad- professor, and you said his yeah, hair is always exactly. perfect, right? Like if I like if I'm doing if That's I right. if I start using your platform for teaching, I'm going to ha- I'm going to have uh-huh. just because I, like I know exactly what I do. I would I would put my glasses on, and I would also <laughs> because I want to be a professor. <laughs> I'd, you know, I'd probably add gray temples, which I do not have, but <laughs> you know, and. Oh. Right. and elbow patches elbow on my, patches my jacket patches, absolutely because time. that's what professors look like <laughs> <laughs> and that's who i want to be but uh, this but is like so funny
1: so what is I, one of the I, I, first pieces of advice I, 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 I got when I started teaching was somebody told me is yeah. to buy a professor jacket oh because gosh. I am, you know, at the time I was a 22 year old young woman and they were like, the more you can look like someone's idea of a teacher, the easier mm-hmm. you will have a time. I actually have a professor jacket as a
0: teacher. It doesn't have patches on the, so on, the, on the elbows, but it does. My, have you ever seen me wear my professor jacket? It's It's a hoodie. I have a professor jacket but with a, but with a hood on it of because it I was is. like, Oh wow. yeah, that's my look, but I don't wear it that much anymore just cause it was like when I first started teaching and I, I need to get like a collection of them because they do make one that has elbow patches and I, and I think I need that.
2: Um. You know, you know, This is such a a really interesting point and like the idea of having an avatar for like a specific kind of like purpose like hey this is what i'm gonna look like when i'm teaching and then this is what i'm gonna look like when i'm with my friends yeah it's just like in real Mm -hmm. life you can wear the jacket and get the elbow patches or wear a a hoodie and torn jeans and go out to a bar um like personally i have like three main avatars that i use and when i'm Mm -hmm. helping um the the university at simon Fraser university i've got like very tidy human avatar like okay i've got pink hair but like pretty <laughs> real kind you know like non-offensive kind of human humanoid looking mm-hmm. but then when i'm when i'm on my own and goofing around or working i usually wear this avatar that's kind of like a pink and purple sort of berry thing And like which I just am personally attached to. But I wouldn't wear this to the university uh, because it just wouldn't fit the context.
0: Mm -hmm. I like how you say wearing the avatar. That is a a perfect way of saying it.
2: It's like an outfit. And then but this is the this is the funniest thing is I've got a goose avatar (laughs) just like uh, I was inspired by this this game called Untitled Goose Game, which is out there where you, you basically in this game, you play a goose and you run around and just be awful. Mm -hmm. and like harass people. And, you know, you know how geese can be, they're very stubborn and aggressive. But at the same time, you're like, what are you doing? Why are Mm -hmm. you coming at me? And when I wear this avatar, I kind of just sort of, you've got a button, you can push to honk. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) I'll just run around and start honking and kind of not giving a fuck about who's around me or anything. And just... And it's just this whole other side of me just comes out, and depending on the avatar you're wearing, you can kind of assume different personalities or let different mm-hmm. sides of yourself out
0: well, it reminds me of the scene where they're dressing up in Ready Player One, where you know even though they're in they're right. in their virtual selves to begin with, but then how do I customize my virtual self for this virtual event that I'm you know yeah. that I'm doing mm-hmm. it, it 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 is a it, and you know you're not limited like in real life. If I want to look different, I'm limited... To maybe I put on a different outfit. Maybe I do my hair differently, you know, add or subtract makeup, add or, you know, there's, there's only so many things I can do, right? Like I can't, I can't just decide to be 50 pounds heavier or lighter today, right? (laughs) I can work towards that, but I can't just decide today to do that. But in a virtual space, I can. If I want to, you know, if I want wings, then I sprout wings, right? If I, you know, like that, that is a, that Mm -hmm. is a thing that, that is is a (laughs) thing that like I have the option for. Or, or, well, I have the options that the programmers have given me, right? Like, so. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> well, and if you're the programmer, you have virtually unlimited options. You,
0: <laughs> modular time, sure, yeah. Or if you yeah, know the programmer like, and can write that.
1: Um, well, that's like, I was Mav, You're just talking. And I was thinking actually one of my favorite novels about virtual reality is snow crash by mm-hmm. Neil Stevenson. And one of the premises is basically, and I, and I think that I find this novel interesting because I, I think it's a much more to me, meaningful way of thinking about what's real and what's not about VR and similar platforms is, and it's again about that idea of like what is real is what's meaningful mm-hmm. because hero protagonist who has the best name in all of literature. <laughs> yeah. Like his the novel portrays his experience as if his, his time in the virtual reality system is his real life, Mm -hmm. but it's not because somehow like VR has taken over his existence in a way. He doesn't understand the difference between reality and fiction anymore. Quite the opposite is he actually one understands that VR is a continuation of his experience. And two Has because he's a programmer that basically in this universe kind of invented a lot of aspects of the virtual space. He has almost unlimited power to create himself. Mm -hmm. Whereas in the in the the quote unquote real world, physical world, whatever you want to call it, he lives in a shipping container and like is pretty like struggling in life in VR. Mm -hmm. Like he has his motorcycle, he has his katana. Uh, uh, he is Japanese and basically does this whole samurai mm-hmm. thing. Uh, and he has full control over like what he looks like, where he where he is, and autonomy in a way that's not being defined by socioeconomic status, location, and all these other things. And I think that there's a potential. There are like there are drawbacks
0: mm-hmm. to that. Well, since we have Caitlin, I want to ask a question then, because you know, I mean, so you're sure. you're doing this work for real, whereas for for you know for us, it's either playing with it. Or, you know, I've, you know, I've watched a lot of movies. I played Shadow Run. I've got played a lot of video games. Right. So, so like, so there's, mm-hmm. so there's, um, and Katya, for what you were just saying, Meat space, that is the real world. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, um, but like if you're, <laughs> one of the things that I find interesting, you know, there's, um, there's been, I'm not even going to say with just, with just v with just VR, even with zoom that everybody was just suddenly forced into zoom at the beginning of this year, right? Like, uh, like just for lack of options, it just happened rapidly. And I think there was a rejection of it because of that. Um, but then I want to compare this to, um, I remember I'm old enough to remember the awkwardness of just suddenly starting to communicate more and more with text messaging on phones rather than calling people. Um, and I am, and it was, it was weird For a minute back in 1998, you know, but like in 2020, fuck it. I don't wanna talk to anybody on the phone. (laughs)
2: Oh
0: God, I guess, you know, if I'm having a conversation with somebody and then it's getting complicated. It's like, uh, I guess, call me fine. You know, like, a, like a, you know, but you'd rather type to them, right?
1: You've just become an honorary millennial,
0: man. Oh, yeah. Right? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm fourteen year old. You know that. Um, it's okay. I've been a sixteen year old boy since I was born. So, right. So, um, but like the the same thing. I imagine if I were hundred and twenty, I'd feel this way about the change to suddenly using telephones at all right like from what what do you mean telephone i i I can just go next door and talk to the person right like i like there's weirdness of it and then i think about now this is where a way in which i'm not you know you said millennial i mean i'm basically i'm I'm basically a zoomer (laughs) But, but one of the ways in which i'm not is i am i am not the kind of person who can have like i know people who have literally started dating and eventually gotten married because they met on Wow. You know, like 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 they don't like people have relationships that entirely form over virtual <laughs> avatars. Now, this was in a video game yeah. setting, like but but I know people who've done that right or Fortnite or or whatever the video game du jour is of that day where there are you know where people can form entire relationships through avatars because it's natural to them. So I think I think the Zoom weirdness is just because it was sprung on everybody against our will during the middle of, you know, an already traumatic time. Right. And I think that, I think mm-hmm. we will get used to it. So what I'm wondering about is what is for Caitlin, when, what do you see is when you're, you were talking about the different ways you behave, depending on which, which avatar you're wearing, right. Uh-huh. Do you see differences in the way in which virtual space relationships develop? Cause like, okay, so this show is based on, Katya and I having conversations that we used to have next to each other. Like when we worked together and saw each other every day, we'd have conversations like this every day. And now we live in different States. So we do it over the internet. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so my relationship with her is different because I knew her in real life before, but do you see a developing weirdness when you, when you meet someone in that virtual space, which you do, I mean, people are going to say it's constructed, but it's constructed anyway. Right. Cause like, it's not like, it's not like Katya ever saw me in my pajamas just crawling out of bed. You saw me at work the way that I decided to look when I went to work.
1: Yeah. Well, it's also like a like right. newsflash as we talk on the show all the time, everything about your experience right. is constructed, whether by
0: accident right. or by so intention. If you're having this weird constructed world where, oh, where, wow. you know, where yeah. hi, I, you know, I'm I just met my new friend Caitlin and for some reason she has a halo at all times, you know, because and, and angel wings, right? And pink hair. And I don't know <laughs> if you really have pink hair. I know nothing about you in real space, but does real space matter mm-hmm. if virtual space is the important bit? This,
2: uh, this is such a great question. I'm really glad you brought this up. In fact, I was kind of hoping you'd go there because um this is perfect. So so, you know, like you were saying about how text messaging was alien for, you know, like Gen Xers when it first emerged. Like, I can totally relate because this isn't a natural way mm-hmm. to communicate. Uh, just like sitting down to write a letter to someone, you know, it's like you have to like set your space. It's you, need, you, you need have a to quail, think differently than if you're waxed. just talking to that person. <laughs> um, and but you know when you get on the phone with someone it's kind of feels natural because it's kind of conversational because you're sort of using your spoken word you know faculty to do it but um likewise like like zoom is kind of weird right Mm -hmm. you know video conferencing is kind of weird because you're there but you're not there it's kind of just like a fraction of the experience so with uh in full immersive vr like tivoli uh especially where you can have you know really anything as an avatar from a like a, a photogrammetry generated reproduction of yourself to you know a little blob that has <laughs> blocks for arms and a goofy face um if you're <laughs> if you're if you're in virtual reality and you are moving around your avatar really manages to convey mm-hmm. that sense of presence in a way that is totally natural so um So regardless of what you're wearing or how you look, like the way you talk and the way you move all comes through. Um, And so my uh, my co-founder, Maki, she's an incredible programmer. We had been working together and uh, meeting mostly in VR because she's in the Canary Islands uh, where I am now. And I was in San Francisco, where I'm from, and so we spent you know hundreds, thousands of hours together in VR as our avatars, Mm -hmm. and we really kind of eat the dog food and use the technology we're developing. Mm -hmm. And when she flew out to San Francisco last year, you know, and we met in person for the first time, and we gave each other a big hug, I'm like, you are exactly like your avatar. (laughs) I mean, you don't look like your avatar necessarily. Wait a minute, you're
0: not green. I was led to to believe you were a green person. But like,
2: I'm like, yeah, I know this person. I I know all of her mannerisms. I, you know, and she was, it was the same thing for her. And we're like completely Mm -hmm. at ease because we have met each other spatially. And so that combination of voice for that naturalness you might get from a phone Mm -hmm. call or like, we kind of feel like we're sitting around a bar right now, coupled with that same natural body language in 3d space, mm-hmm. it just works regardless of how you look. And it's the most amazing so thing. You think
0: there's, a, so there's an, you're, I, what I hear you say is there's an essence to the person that that enters the performance separate from the visual. Right. Yeah. Like Again, I mean, I'm making jokes about you know, green or if, if I decide I want to I, I want to show up on your platform as a dragon, I can just be a dragon. Right. Oh, there's still there's still mm-hmm. an essential madness about that character that Tivoli can't. Yeah. I mean, I guess if I'm a good actor and I and I want to, you know, catfish somebody, I probably could. But like assuming I'm trying to be myself. Then it comes through, we'll come even through. if I'm a dragon. Okay. Okay. So yeah. this is this is a future experiment. mad That's you are gonna
1: show up in VR as a dragon, and we can't know who you are, and then figure out which dragon's map. Yeah,
0: the, <laughs> yeah, there's six there's six dragons, and it's like a you know which one's the real map. I <laughs> feel
1: like it's gonna be red and black, and or red and purple. Damn it! <laughs> <and> generally, <laughs> gen- generally very chatty and loud. <laughs> Uh, that, that would be my at least initial assessment.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I was going like to say I, I'm, I'm just going to not talk for next thirty seconds, but I'm not. It's not. Gonna, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to do. Never mind.
1: Uh, but I think I mean I think that's really insightful, like example though, because I think we I, I think a lot about what we talk, what what people mean when they say like oh relationships on Facebook or relationships in like like online relationships aren't quote-unquote real relationships mm-hmm. and from like a research perspective there's very little evidence to actually suggest that's a case mm-hmm. like i understand why and i think it goes back math, to like what you're talking about like we're not used to these things right. but like for example like you are you now know, like
0: yeah <laughs> you, you are now because you well, have to be <laughs> I mean,
1: I think what they what I what I think what is true is like when you go on Facebook and somebody has like 10,000 friends, they don't actually have 10,000 no. friends. They have 10,000 friends that they have interacted with and pushed. Them no, they
0: have fans at that point. <laughs> I, I mean, followers right. or yeah, acquaintances, acquaintances yeah. or whatever, like
1: on, you know, you're the average person on LinkedIn. The thousands of people they might be connected to like. They're not probably interacting yeah. with those regularly. But as far as our actual friendships, like the people we actually spend mm-hmm. time with, like our interactions might look different than they do in day to day, but there's still have like kind of what Caitlin's talking about there. There's still like the essence of the person comes mm-hmm. through if you have interactions through platforms yeah. that you find that are meaningful like i remember recently one of my uh one of my best friends and i like one of our favorite things to do was to watch tv series together uh and basically just like talk and be obnoxious with the entire sure, tv sure. series uh and so well, we've been and we now live in two different states and also there's a pandemic going on so we're not obviously traveling to see each other and so, what we do is just basically like put a thing on Netflix, and there's like, uh, you can now kind of uh, share streaming services through a couple of different apps and watch movies together. Uh, and then just put on a phone call and just like talk the, like, talk, like chat the entire yeah. time in the same way. And it's not the same as being in the room and uh, like being in the room with this person, but it is the essence of that experience in a way that like i actually don't know that it would be substantially more fulfilling if we were mm-hmm. able to travel right now well um, I wonder if it's just different like,
0: right like i don't mean different ahead. in a good or a bad way right, right? like there's a, there is a there's a sense of up until again in the before times i think there was a a a prioritization of the real of meat space above the virtual but I think that's just, you know, inertia and ego, right? Like, it's just, you know, well, my relationship is real because and, and I, I mean, I think I'm trying to think of people like who people who meet over the internet for romantic relationships, right? Like there, there's always been a, there's always been a, a, you know, a stigma of it of, Oh, you met your girlfriend over wow or over fortnight. You know, she lives 3000 miles away. Sure. Like it, it, it seems very fake in a way that I don't think has been True in decades at this point, everyone has been on the internet since like the year 2000. It's been 20 years since like literally most of the planet has <laughs> access to this. Everyone's got some level of friend that lives outside of their immediate going to visit mm-hmm. you know like it's not a, we haven't lived in a world where you're where you can only be friends with the people in your neighborhood in a long time right and now that nobody can do it
1: i think mavi like you start like when you started your comment you were talking about like this way that we privilege meet space or whatever or realness over virtual space and i think while that's true of the western world yeah. philosophically yeah. As we, we we tend to have a hierarchy of like Real quote unquote whatever that means to us is better than virtual. Mm-hmm. that's not actually true in practice. like we talk about that, but we don't actually live it. so like for example, like uh, the scholar Tim- uh, Timothy Welsh talks about mm-hmm. this as mixed mm-hmm. realism is that actually this whole mm-hmm. like separation between real and virtual kind of bullshit right. We say is like actually like everything you're doing on a daily basis in the you know, 21st century, involves real things and virtual things. And I think the example he gives that I find the most compelling because I don't think I recognized it until I thought about it is banking, <sighs> which is really mundane. But in the 21st century... You literally cannot experience banking in an mm-hmm. entirely analog fashion. It's predicated on the idea that you uh-huh. have virtual aspects of that experience, so whether that's like even if it's just you don't have the apps or you don't log in and manage your bank account, you're probably still going to an a t m that's that's an interacting with a virtual interface that's interacting with something that is not in so called meat space um, oh
0: banks do have real buildings still and don't so, and even oh. our like <laughs> never go to one
1: <laughs> right well, that's the thing is it's like even the most i think. What we would think of as the most non-virtual, non-digital you know? part of that experience is like, oh, I'm physically going to the bank to get money. It's like, <laughs> you're probably not going up to the teller. And even if you're getting money from the teller, she's moving your money around in your bank account through a virtual system. Like money itself at this point is virtual. Yeah. It exists as a bunch of zeros and ones in a system telling you how much money you you have. Most money on the planet that we quote unquote have doesn't actually exist. There is not enough print. I
0: haven't been to an ATM in like two years. <laughs> <laughs>
2: You know, I I I I I think like um, it's kind of important to sort of like draw a line between um, real virtual and meaningful. Yeah. Because just because something's virtual, it can be incredibly meaningful and have like real consequences. So like banking, you know, um, like looking at that number in your bank account, that's <laughs> that has actual meaningful differences. And likewise, you could you know have a really good friend who you've never met in person but have an incredibly meaningful relationship mm-hmm. and this is this is such an interesting like notion i mean we've we've lived like hundreds of thousands of years as a species you know mm-hmm. like wallowing in mud <laughs> and eating roots and stuff like yes yes really you know and uh, like it's just so weird that here we are you know mm-hmm. just sure. in the last 100 years you know my my, my great uncle tells me about how, you know, how incredible it was to listen to the radio and just listen to like radio shows in the, the 1930s. And and here we are now feeling the presence mm-hmm. of people on remote islands, you know, halfway around the world.
0: Yeah, it, it, that's. I mean, it's fascinating to me that like if there's a good thing to come out of all this, it's that I don't know. I don't know that we're going to go back to a world where we can completely privilege the real over the virtual like, I think we'll try because like, just like people are whenever, whenever, the, you know, the gates are released, people, people are just going to be like, oh, my God, I can hug people. Amazing. You know, so like, 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 like I can see, I, I can see that. I, I, I really believe that there's going to be yeah. like when when all pandemics end there's just going to be like this week where we're just going up and licking strangers. I just <laughs> Like, so like, like oh God, looking people. I can touch you. It's amazing, and, and then we're all going to have to have serious conver- you know, conversations with ourselves about you know where our feelings are on boundaries and personal space. And so, yes, yeah, yes, I, I understand. I feel like
1: you've had a very different experience of the pandemic than I have.
0: I had a tenuous grip, grip on sanity before, remember? So,
1: like, I agree that we're probably not going to have the same experience of like the hierarchy of virtual and real. Right. I don't know that we will have that same kind of backlash effect because this was a trend that's been happening long before the pandemic. Right.
0: And that's like, kind of my real point. Like, w- are we going to get to this point where, where it's just where is it's it? just yeah. normal that most people meet their significant other 3000 miles away, you know, like, like, are, are we going is, 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 I mean, is, is typically going to replace tender? Like, and, and I mean that, in a, and I, mean that in a, and I mean that in a, no, but I mean that in a, and I mean that in a very real way, right? Like tender is all about, you know, I want to fuck. So my range is 20 miles. Who's around, you know, (laughs) you know, like that's, that's like a thing. And and, And typically, I mean, now if your goal is literally to have sex, then, you know, that 20 mile range, like is kind of important. Because well, man, you, you clearly can't say, have not
1: seen certain aspects of Second Life. Well, no, no, well, that's, exactly, that's
0: exactly what I'm. That's exactly what I'm saying. Like, if your goal is like physically, literally touching, it becomes sure. like, tricky. But like, if your goal is literally to form some kind of a relationship, and I'm leaving that, I'm saying small yeah. our relationship, I'm leaving it very open as to whether it is a romantic or sexual or business or just social or you know just someone I want to talk about movies with, right? Like whatever. I yeah. think that like. I mean, again, this show only exists, the four of us, Wayne and I are at least in the same city, but we've recorded the show mm-hmm. in the same room four times ever, like four or five right. times. Right. Um, uh, you and Hannah were in the same city, but you haven't been since, you know, in six months. Right. And mm-hmm. and like this show works because we can do it through virtual space. But I, I mean, I think about it like. I, Tatia, you and I only I worked together been, for like one year. We were only like sure. we literally like most of our relationship has been virtual, even though we met in real life first.
1: But I guess that's the thing I want to challenge about the idea that we're gonna that there's gonna be. I mean, there's always gonna be people who I think are gonna hold on to a pre-existing part of like real is what's sure. important yeah. and virtual is not because that's just backlash against cultural change, which isn't saying it's a good or a bad thing. It just is a it's a phenomenon right. that happens. On the flip side, though, so like the idea that virtual, like historically the idea that virtual specifically in the Western world means something that's not real is actually a, historically a fairly mm-hmm. recent phenomenon. Virtual hasn't always mean meant false or like in mm-hmm. some way inferior. That hierarchy has only existed probably for the last, I'd have to go look, look my research again know to know, know the dates last like 200 years. And I believe it starts to emerge merge because okay. of the enlightenment because we believe because the enlightenment has this idea that like, among with a lot of other things, both good and bad, like, this idea that, you, that physical evidence is what tells mm-hmm. you what's reality. So from that you start seeing philosophical, like philosophies and. Sort of ways of knowing spirituality, right? Mm -hmm. That emphasize what we can physically interact with as what is important, significant, like and significant for our experience. Both, like basically, to understand what we're what we're dealing with our daily life. And I think a lot of the 2020s first century has been in some ways responding, to rediscovering that actually, like immaterial aspects of our experience are really important. Like so, for example, and a lot of that happens, I think, through technology. Mm -hmm. So, for example, radio. Radio is a really good example because radio, yes, there's material aspects of it and you have an interface, you have, you have the actual physical radio itself, but radio is basically going like, actually what's important are people's ideas and their voices. That's not an immediately material thing, even though material aspects are involved. So what we value is in that sense to just use the term virtual kind of like collapse with immaterial are the immaterial parts of that experience. And I think what we're discovering now through the pandemic or what we've uh, we're becoming more familiar with the fact that what we value about our day-to-day experiences are a lot of those intangible immaterial pieces I don't I think it's gonna be really difficult yeah. to justify that hierarchy anymore I think we've actually had because this cultural shift was already happening even just like thinking about video games the fact that people like we don't see the same backlash against video games as a meaningful thing that we did for example in the 80s when everyone thought that you know video games were gonna make people into demons or whatever
2: um, <laughs> <laughs> we just don't
1: see that and I think a lot of it is because right right now if you include phone games especially, over 90 mm-hmm. percent of people in the United States are, quote unquote, gamers
0: on some level or another. Yes.
1: Right. Everyone plays not everyone, but the vast majority of people play <laughs> video games. So mm-hmm. it's no longer stigmatized. Now that the vast majority of people have used remote work, virtual interfaces to socialize, to do work, to do things. I don't think we're going to see this real virtual split in the same way anymore.
0: Well, <laughs> even for just working. And and this is this, Kate, this goes back to what where this conversation started with the. Um, with uh-huh. the professor you're working with um i mean i i'm a teacher right but even uh-huh. and, before, and before i was a teacher i designed software so in both of those situations uh-huh. you know 10 years ago people would have said well it's impossible to um <laughs> to do this on to do this online you know you can't outsource this to india because <sighs> being, in, being in person is a meanwhile like like when I was a designer, you know, when I was a software designer, I was working with people, I was in Pittsburgh working with people in China routinely, right? Like it, it just ha- mm-hmm. it happens all the time that we're, you know, that we're constantly doing video conferencing or we're doing, you know, we're texting each other or, or just emailing each other. So there was always that split. And now that we've, you know, we've all been, you know, forced to like be locked up inside There is a very real question of, you know, what are we paying for physical space for? Right. Like, like, do we need an office ever? Um, I understand why I feel good about having an office, which I like, I totally get why that professor you were talking about feels better teaching in a virtual space than like like so right now i'm in my studio which is kind of messy and i don't like want people to see you know like oh he's just got random crap hanging up all over the place no i want to (laughs) be on the death star which is why i use that zoom background right (laughs) And, and like and but like but like if i'm teaching from like being able to teach from the virtual classroom instead of my couch has there is an appeal to that. Right. Um, and that mm-hmm. and, and the appeal part of the appeal, like I do think it's different being in person than, than in the teaching online, having done both. But I think that one of the mm-hmm. fears of the of the virtual is I don't want people, I, I you know, I don't want people invited into my safe space, my home in order for me to talk to them because yeah. I have to like work on a project with them or I have to um, teach them. I want to be able to say, no, the world in which I interact with you student is this classroom or this office. Right. And so it, to the extent that like technology can help me create that space, I think. That,
2: well, it's like, yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's mental barriers. Mm-hmm. Basically it's, it's mental and it's also like um, physical and economic mm-hmm. barriers. There's, there's all these things that stand in the way of, like doing what we want to do and being who we want to be and like conducting ourselves in the way we want, and it could be like bodily, it could be geographical, like you're stuck in a location, or you know like maybe you're in a wheelchair or maybe you've got incredibly low self esteem and high social anxiety or it could be a number of 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 things that are like constraints. That might hold hold someone back um, in the real world, you know, and by kind of lifting that it just opens up so much more possibility and I think can make life a lot better. Um, So, you know, maybe there's kind of a blessing in disguise um, here with you know humanity currently like switching mm-hmm. to you know virtual modes of of being together um because you know maybe we'll be able to figure out that this is in some ways more real
1: like that entirely makes sense i think like and i think this is what i was trying to get at earlier is that like i i i don't foresee a world in which most people because there's always people who are not you know I, I understand that there are always people who like are not into digital experiences i get that everyone you know has different levels of comfort. And I think especially like for people who are, I've at least observed and mm-hmm. that people who spend a lot of time, for example, like on Twitch streams before, or like other forms of like digital interactions have had an easier time. I think transitioning to remote, just because it's like, we're used to it. Um, mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that being used to it is, mm-hmm. is precisely like the idea that we are used to virtual experiences, digital experiences being a meaningful part of our lives. So it doesn't feel like as jarring of a transition. Um, mm-hmm. like there's evidence to suggest that like gamers for example have an easier time uh determining what's what's quote-unquote real and what's quote-unquote fake on the internet um Mm -hmm. which suggests that there is an aspect of like digital literacy that you learn Mm -hmm. by spending a lot of time on these things uh and that's you know that's more about about fake news and about meaning but i think at the same time it suggests that like well as we're all collectively getting more literate, essentially, in the experience of living digitally, we're probably just going to feel a lot more comfortable, like comfort level, um, but also potentially, because of that literacy, able to extract what we find meaningful about our real experiences from those digital experiences.
0: I still think people want to lick each other. <laughs> what, love? I, am I not to visit Pittsburgh the oh. next time I'm traveling? so we resolve nothing <laughs> or we
1: have I don't know other than maybe keep a, that social distancing might apply
0: to Mav just lick other people with COVID. content for the show uh, <laughs> consent my dear I mean, consent. I'm okay consent that? I'm very on t- I'm, that was my, my entire point was that there's going to be was that I think that there's going to be a point where people are consenting more just because and again I'm being ridiculous for the show I don't think I don't think people are really going <laughs> to go lick each other is, you know, <laughs> if you are planning on doing that please don't also eugenics bad now what I what I'm saying it yeah,
1: you can lick yes. people with consent right. that is explicit yes. that is the what, only context what I, where what that is I was acceptable. I was really what I was really <laughs> getting at and I, and
0: I and with the backlash comment is I do wonder again like I'm saying licking because I'm being silly but like I do wonder if there's going to be a point where um, I mean we talked about this we we talked about this a, a few shows, shows ago uh, Wayne's roommate Marcel who's been on the show so he 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 rented out a movie theater sure. just so we could all go watch movies and there were 20 of us there you know with basically 10 different couples in you know each in their own row so i got to watch a movie this summer with with wayne and with other friends of mine and we're you know but like are we really watching it together no um because like you're watching it physically together but apart. well right because in mm-hmm. because Previously, if I'd gone to the movies with 10 or 15 friends, you know, we'd all be sitting within like within 15 feet, you know, like we'd be sitting right. in one row. Now we're spread out across the entire movie theater. There's 20 people there. It's not that much different than being on Zoom. Well, it doesn't
1: with, it doesn't like I mean, if this was if the, if that was happening digitally, we would call it the affordance. We would talk about the affordances of the right. medium, but like which basically means what you can and cannot do in a given space changes your experience. Right, but Like if you're sitting that far apart the affordance of that experience is not the same as before. Like you can't do the like, Annoying thing that we always do, like which is like elbow yes. your, you know, whoever's sitting next to you, just, be like,
0: "Hey, just that the one, just like, the you one person you came with." But, <sighs> but it was great. But my right. my point of it was, it was just great because it was just literally it was exciting because oh my god, I'm in a room with people. Wow, <laughs> you know, or like just the the idea <laughs> that we were in a room with people. Yeah. And, and I do wonder if there's going to be like I can't imagine. I imagine there's going to be a point where you know where sometime you know hopefully by this spring. I can be like, oh, wow, a dinner party and I'm not wearing a mask. Uh, that's something,
1: you know. But I think that's different from the the kind of hierarchical value of like I think yeah. it's like we're gonna I think it's that we're gonna start recognizing both as equally valuable but so. different in a way that I don't think was true, you know, this mm-hmm. time last year. Because and I think the other important thing is there were people this time last year who did understand that. Like I said like the gamers mm-hmm. and nerds who already have like friends around the world right. that they've never met in real life because nerds aren't secretly, you know, magical alchemists <laughs> of experience because code and things are cool, I
0: guess. Uh, so anyway, I guess we've resolved sort of that. I don't know. I mean it's it, there 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 it's open into <laughs> questions that we don't know the answers to just like everything we always talk about on the show, but I do think I I think it's fascinating because I, I think it's really interesting that on some level the weird virtual world that most nerds to say to say it Hakati just did have been experiencing for the last decade is suddenly just sort of forced on the the general public. Everybody's got to do work from home. Everybody's got to do Zoom meetings. It's just what everyone's on Slack. Like people didn't even know what Slack was. Like Sixteen months ago, right? Like, like, and and now, and now, and, and look, right. you know, and if you re- if you want to be really cool, you'd be like, yeah, I remember when this was called IRC, you know. But like, <laughs> no one, but no one, and no one, know what you're talking about. But like, it's the sort of thing that I've been doing literally for decades. And now everyone has to do that. Right. The same way that everyone uses. So you are you are the hipster of right, quarantine. Right. And, and well, but, <laughs> but what's interesting, what's interesting to me is like now in this world where I don't think Zoom's going away, I don't think Zoom meetings uh, and virtual conversations like that are going away. So is the new cool thing doing, you know, having a headset and interacting in virtual space that is not just you know boxes on a screen like essentially what Caitlin's doing <laughs> like right? like is that is that going to be the new hipster thing where okay yeah Zoom is so passe you know I'm in <laughs> the virtual bar now and you know like that is that like where you're going you know and I don't know I, I don't know but I, I I kind of wonder yeah. If I it-
1: think it's- I think this just means we'll have to have another yeah. episode. dude.
0: <laughs> Thanks for joining us. This was great. Hey. And you knew stuff, which is awesome. Cause you know,
2: <laughs> you're welcome. Thank you for having me. <laughs>
0: uh, where cool. can people find out more about your project or just you know, about you or whatever? Sure.
2: Yeah. You can find us on Tivoli Check out our website. You can even download our platform right now if you want to hop in World and Mm -hmm. try it. Um, You can also find us on Twitter under. Those will be linked in the show notes.
1: Yeah, Katya. Uh, As always, you can find me on Instagram and maybe Twitter. Maybe I'll start using Twitter again. (laughs) I'm not sure. (laughs) Uh, I have mixed feelings about Twitter, uh, as we have talked about many episodes, uh, at just that nerd kid. Uh, and also, just a general plug for hey, the holidays are coming up. Maybe you should not do some internet state travel and save a life because we are still in a pandemic. I know we are all over it, but unfortunately, COVID is not no over. No licking us.
0: people. Licking people is a next year thing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Lick, licking people like eugenics is bad, unless consensual, and you do not have COVID. Yes.
0: Yeah you're into what you're into. You can find me on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. All of, <laughs>
1: this took a
2: really <laughs> weird turn. All of places,
0: always at Chris Maverick. You can follow the show on all the social medias at Vox Popcast. You can follow the show's blog at www.voxpodcast.com where we talk about what we're going to be talking about next week and on future shows. We've got some really interesting stuff coming up for the holidays. If you enjoy the show, and we certainly hope you do, please subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or wherever the hell else you get podcasts from and subscribe to us on youtube if you like and subscribe to us on youtube that will help us be more popular because you know the youtube show has been really fun like last week we had really cool um digital scoreboard that i designed for the game that we played last week so please subscribe to us on youtube because i need us to have more views because things actually get easier when you do it's weird um (laughs) um, like and subscribe hit bells or whatever the hell else they tell people to do i don't know katya you're the millennial say the (laughs) Thing. <laughs> like subscribe and ring the bell yes thank you okay do that <laughs> and, and do us a favor uh leave us a five-star rating on itunes or even better yet leave us a five-star review if you li- leave us a review that says five stars eugenics bad don't lick people without consent that makes us happy and it's covid times people we need this i'd like to thank maximilian of more Music for our epic theme song, building ever so more epically and playing us out. I'd once again like to thank Caitlin for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. See you later. Oh no. <laughs> this isn't real. What is real?